0: Welcome to Life of the School, episode 71. My name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher at Acton-Boxborough Regional High School in Acton, Massachusetts. Normally on Life at the School, I like to sit down with a fellow life science teacher and ask them, how they get in the classroom? What are they currently working on? And what are their hopes for the future? But this is going to be another one of my episodes where I bring together several teachers and ask them about the same topic. In my previous episode, I asked everybody about homework. But in this episode, I asked them to define inquiry. It's a term that you get defined in many different contexts and you always hear people wanting to infuse inquiry. So I thought it was great to get these teachers from a variety of different schools and locations and who work with different populations of students and also who have different backgrounds before they got in the classroom to speak about what inquiry means to them and what it looks like with their students. First up, we are going to talk to Antonio Gamboa. Antonio teaches at Gary High School in Pomona, California. So the next question, or the next sort of area I wanted to talk about, is the idea of inquiry, which I feel like a few years ago was this big buzzword. I don't know that it's quite as big. Maybe it's been knocked out by the NGSS buzzwords uh, a little bit over the last few years. But I think inquiry is this buzzword. And what I keep finding is when I talk to people about inquiry or I read something about inquiry, nobody seems to have the same definition of what it means, although there is a lot of commonality. So you run a science class, you run a lot of science classes, and you you supervise other science teachers doing science classes. What is an inquiry in your classroom or inquiry in a science classroom look like to you? What are the the aspects that would make you say, ah, yes, this is inquiry?
1: Uh, I would say that inquiry is where there's a set of questions that are built by teachers and students based on, on the concepts or around the concepts. So inquiry drives either the teaching and the learning of the students. So if, for example, I'm doing a lab, the lab doesn't really have a determine procedure exactly that you just follow step by step, but rather it gives you the guidelines as to where you're going. And you Mm -hmm. have to ask yourself in which direction you're going, maybe depending on the sample that you have or what you want to study. And so that would be in the lab situation. In the classroom situation, sometimes the inquiry goes as you throw out a concept, and let's say you write a concept on the board, and then you say, okay, so what if what if this happens? You know, like say, like you're looking at pH or you're looking at a, at a weak acid, and uh, or or you're looking at photosynthesis. What would happen if, rather than saying this is what happened when the sun hits the the the, the chlorophyll, it's like how do you, you 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 phrase the the knowledge into questions? So mm-hmm. everything goes on questions, questions that I present, questions that they present, and when they give answers then he has to follow up with uh, with uh, what do you think is that the right thing? So they have to state uh, an explanation for their thinking. And I think at that time, when you have all of that in the classroom, then then it's inquiry where mm-hmm. everybody's thinking.
0: I love the phrase, the what if, so like you, inquiry doesn't have to be you know hands-on wet lab. It could literally be a series of what ifs and bringing in those concepts to back up that explanation. I think that's really cool. It's not something I had thought of before. So in the lab, because I always, I'm a very you know lab-centered, lab-first kind of person. Is it okay? And I don't know the answer to this question, uh, but is it okay if the teacher is asking the question that the students have to answer? Can that still be inquiry in the lab? If if the teachers are asking the the what ifs in a lab setting, is that still does that still inquiry?
1: I think it's still inquiry as long as. The question that you're asking is not a question that has a predetermined answer. Mm. So if I ask you, "What if this happens?" and and you already know that it's a yes or no answer, then then it eliminates the inquiry mm. because then the student chooses. And if if it says no, well then it's yes. But in reality, it's more. What if I uh, say that I'm testing for proteins? What if I mm-hmm. use hydrochloric acid versus well, what if, what if I use euphoric or nitric? And what happens? And then you start going in, in all these different directions. So I think that that question has to be built in a way that that it's an open-ended.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It can come from the student or even from the teacher. So we as teachers have to have that that ability to throw out a question, knowing that this might take you in three or four different options. And the student is in somewhat... Uh, forced to choose an option. And then once they take that option, then there might be a three or four different outcomes. And so we need to be um, sure that when we throw the question, that that open-ended exists. Otherwise we actually eliminating the the inquiry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I like it when um, I think I sort of know I get to inquiry in a lab when a kid asks me, well, what will happen if I add This concentration to this, and I say, I don't know. Um, (laughs) when I say I don't know, I feel like okay, we've got an inquiry. I don't know the answer. I know the general principle, yeah, acids should denature, but at what concentration is that acid going to denature this particular protein or this particular enzyme? I'm not sure. So now we got to do a couple of different pHs or a couple of different concentrations and see at what point do we start to see that denaturing point happen. Same thing with temperature. That's the that's the, the inquiry question, the unknown that we don't have a set answer to.
1: Um, yeah, and you're totally right. I mean, when you ask, and you, the, the student or yourself asks a question, and when the question is, well, I'm not so sure that it brings the science. Mm-hmm. It brings the idea of now I have an ability to test three or four or even more different ways to find out what exactly it is. And I think that's the main goal with inquiry, to develop a way that, It leads to the true science where you are investigating and you're searching for possible solutions and you can go and do research and it can lead you to all of this. And and that thing, that's the value of inquiry. Hmm.
0: Next, I spoke with Brittany Franskoviak from Wild Lake High School in Columbia, Maryland. What does inquiry mean to you? I feel like if I talk to people about what inquiry is and what inquiry looks in people's classrooms, um, I get very different feelings from people. So my question is what, is, what does the phrase inquiry mean to you and what does it look like in your classroom? Um,
3: I think inquiry is it's really at the heart of of how I teach and how I structure my learning materials. Um, and that's partly, I'm sure, a product of when and where I was taught to teach science. So <laughs> I got my MI, my MAT in 2011 which was sort of like the peaking of the professional conversation around inquiry Mm -hmm. Um, so my whole like secondary ed program in science education was all about um, inquiry-centered instruction Um, and so that's really um, how I built my identity as a teacher and for me what it means is that um, my students are building meaning and piecing together meaning more than I am telling them what things mean. And I think what's been important for me to consider, um especially after my first couple of years, is the idea that you can have really powerful inquiry at various grain sizes, right? So some people, when they hear the word inquiry, um, they're immediately going to like multi-day, super open-ended, like wet lab <laughs> work. Um, and, and that's cool. And you know there's that happens once or twice in my classes a year. Um, but inquiry can also be like a 10 minute, give students a couple graphs of different data sets and ask them to like synthesize some meaning from it. Right. Mm. Um, that to me is sometimes even more powerful. Um, you can direct it a little more, right? Because sometimes, well, often I know what the learning goal is and I need to get everyone to like the same learning goal. And so I've tried to think about how to build in these smaller grain sizes of inquiry so that there's the cognitive load is still on the students they are still the ones who are like doing something um Mm -hmm. with some data or with some you know sometimes models that could be 2d models on paper or maybe 3d models or maybe a video or an animation or something but like the students are being asked to pull out some scientific understanding uh from something that they've interacted with And, and that's how i've been thinking about inquiry
0: Ah, oh, that's interesting because as you were describing it, I would say that your description is what I call, you know constructivism.
3: like yes, yeah
0: inqu- inqu- you your definition is like part and whole like right nestles right in with what I view as just fundamental constructivist education philosophy, yeah,
3: yeah, and I think I mean, I think that those two things are sort of, I mean, maybe, they're not synonymous, I guess, but they're pretty, like, I guess, two sides of one coin, maybe. I'm not quite sure what analogy would make sense here. But, um, and again, I can circle back and reflect on my teacher prep program, where a lot of what we did was learn constructivist theory Mm -hmm. and talk about what inquiry looks like in the classroom. And so I am, I am definitely, I self-describe as a constructivist. um, I I am bought into that as a way of thinking about teaching and learning and classroom structures. And I think that inquiry is sort of a, the, maybe the path or the mechanism by which I enact that stuff in my classroom.
0: Uh, it's a a really neat definition. I, I, I'm going to have to turn this one over in my head a little bit because I, I'm, I'm sure there are the way you described it. I'm sure in my head, there is a fundamental difference between constructivism and inquiry. Um, and, but you summarized it so nicely that now, like now you've locked them together in my head. (laughs) So, um, and I, you know, it's funny because I, I think that I, I don't know that I've heard the two together. And I've always sort of viewed myself as uh, somebody who believes in constructivism, and at the heart, that's my goal in my classrooms. But I teach in a very traditional school where sort of direct instruction mm-hmm. was the norm, and we're moving to a constructivist model, which I'm super happy about. But I don't know that I've ever viewed inquiry as something that was. The same. And so for me, what I view is constructivism is something that any teacher does, but inquiry is something that I do as a science teacher. But now you're making me think that inquiry is something that should happen in sort of every discipline.
3: Yeah, I don't think inquiry is science specific at all. Um I think that it I think inquiry manifests itself differently in different disciplines. Um, but I've worked closely with some really talented math teachers who have some really great like sort of discovery slash inquiry activities that they've used in their classes. Um, and I think even in the humanities, um, you know, framing stuff as inquiry can be really productive. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. think there's lots of opportunities for that.
0: Next, I spoke with Desi Demova from Franklin High School in Somerset, New Jersey. So my second question I've been asking people is been something that's been a buzzword uh, in science education, probably for the whole time you've been teaching, which is the word inquiry. So what does inquiry mean to you and what does it look like in your classroom?
4: I suspect that inquiry in my classroom or what inquiry means to me is not what it means to many people. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, no, it's like I, I know a lot of fellow bio teachers think this the way I do, but I also know a lot of them don't. <laughs> Inquiry yeah. is asking questions, and it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think a lot of teachers, especially with the adoption of the new standards, are freaking out um, and making it to be way more complicated than it is, really. Inquiry is, is what the word really means. It means asking questions and being curious. And to me, this has always been at the root of like learning, not just science, but learning. Um, unless you ask questions, unless you're curious about something, you'll never learn. That is mm. to me the biggest predictor of, of learning success. Um, so that's what we do in my classroom. It doesn't have to be a heavy inquiry lab. Not that we don't do this, but mm-hmm. it could be simply, I'm talking, yesterday I was talking about, uh, we were on cellular signaling, and I was talking about how steroid hormones, basic introduction, can enter the cell because they're um, lipid soluble, so they pass through the cell membrane and the receptors inside the cell. And all of a sudden, I had all these questions about um, steroids and performance enhancing drugs by the students, and guess what? We stopped and we started talking about it and we started researching it and we started looking things up and I went off track. But to me, this was more important than um, reciting the steps of cellular signaling. Students <laughs> were curious. They had questions and we went and followed those questions.
0: And so it, for you, inquiry is just as simple as the any practice that you can do that's going to elicit um, questions and then... Do you have to have that space for students to then, you know, interrogate those, investigate those, look things up? Um, Is asking questions enough or do you have to have that sort of engagement cycle afterwards for it to really be inquiry?
4: Well, if you ask the question, and don't try to answer them. Then that's not an inquiry,
0: right? <laughs> <correct>. Okay, good.
4: Well, <laughs> so you have to give the students the space, and, and sometimes you can't because you know it's like the questions they're asking. Although they might be interesting, they're like way off, you know, topic or or simply you don't have the time. But it's to me, it's very important to not to um, squash their curiosity. So there are ways to deal with this. Um, sometimes I just tell them you know, just like go ahead and research, and they're like, "Am I gonna get extra credit for this?" and I said, "Sure, okay, if you're great, if it's that important to, yes, I'll give you an extra quiz grade or an extra project grade. Mm-hmm. There are ways to have them pursue their interests and their questions um but we ask a lot of questions in class, and sometimes I feel that um teachers often think that inquiry also means that students have to ask the questions. And yes, that is the most important part. We want students to be able to ask those questions and then try to answer them. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And then you really need to be the one asking the questions of the students and giving them time to think about them and try to figure out how to answer them. To me, that's also inquiry. Inquiry Mm -hmm. is as simple as asking questions. It's most important that the students ask them and you give them the space to try to answer them. But It's also equally important for the teacher to ask questions of the students. So instead of just saying, this is the way things are, how are things? Mm. Now, here's something we know. Can we figure out how can we answer the question I just asked you with what we know? So I learned this very early in my high school education. We had a chemistry teacher who never told us facts. He always told us bits and pieces of information and then asked us questions and asked us to think about what possible answers to his questions would be with the fact, the data he had given us.
5: Hmm.
0: So uh, to me, when you, what you just described it fits into the idea of sort of um, going back to not all students are really either confident enough and maybe I don't want to say they're not able to but they either don't have the skills to formulate the question that they really want to get at or to formulate a question that they could pursue or they lack the confidence to vocalize those things so by the teacher asking questions you can like model what you can model interesting questions um uh, model questions that would spark their interest and hopefully spark their curiosity to to research things is that sort of what you're talking about the teacher yeah, asking right, questions
4: right. that that that's exactly that's exactly it so I- inquiry comes in many shapes and forms and um, inquiry is is also as as you said the teacher asking questions sometimes you ask the questions not even for <sighs> to me to me inquiry again my definition is like completely. It's very broad. It also like inquiring what the students think, what they know about. So when you ask a question and the student answers one thing, don't accept that. Just keep asking, keep probing. And that prompts also thinking by the rest of the students. And we have whole class discussions which are centered on a series of questions asked by both students and teacher. Um, mm. In my classroom, we don't raise hands. We just talk. That, that is also, to me, an essential part of inquiry constantly asking questions, probing your own understanding, probing your classmates' understanding, trying to learn more by asking questions. And my students know that like every research starts with a question, every quest for knowledge starts with a question and ends with more questions.
0: Hmm. I think you just described my podcast. Um, (laughs) uh. (laughs) I didn't realize I was doing inquiry here.
4: Your podcast is a learning space. <laughs> it
0: is. It's a, this is my this is my version of practicing inquiry. No, but um, I said it's
4: like if you're gonna ask me what inquiry is, that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a very broad answer.
0: <laughs> no, it's 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 good. I'd say um I it's it's probably where I start with the answer as well, as it's based off of questions. So um yeah, I I also think because of your uh your your background, your research experience, um. It's I I didn't know where you were going to go with this because you know you've done you've done the high level biology you've worked at the university level you've published papers that are these you know super deep dive you know journal research papers I I it's interesting to see that your your answer is fairly you know broad and simple
4: because but that's because how like you know how research essentially works. So I approach my teaching the same way I would approach—I approach my own learning as, as, you know, as a budding scientist, essentially. So asking questions and staying curious—that's all there is to inquiry and to learning to me. It's yeah. as simple as that. Staying curious.
0: Next up, I speak with Ryan Reardon. Ryan teaches at Jefferson County International Baccalaureate High School in Irondale, Alabama. My my next my next question is, uh, like, what is inquiry? Uh, I'm like, glad
6: big... you asked that, Aaron. I saw. So I've been in this biz 19 years. I came up as a, an inquiry model to an informal ed, and I remember mm-hmm. wanting to do a talk a few years ago, calling uh, "Let's Save Inquiry Before It Dies," because it is. <laughs> Right now we have the NGSS, which is great stuff. Uh, the guys from the National Resource Council and probably, there's probably some, the group, I should say, although it's mostly men, let's be honest. Uh, the group of the National Resource Council that built the NGSS framework are the same guys that wrote the uh, same ideas in the 90s that got no traction and went nowhere.
0: Yeah, that 2061.
6: But, yeah, dude, totally. It's all about inquiry. So what is inquiry? Inquiry is... a uh, in clearly there are gradations of it. So let me, let me say what inquiry is not. Inquiry is not asking kids to do a pre-lab assessment, like a ticket into the lab and then doing a cookbook uh, procedure where they're going to get a known quantity out of the lab. Inquiry is definitely not telling kids the content, whether it's enzyme kinetics or the effective temperature on ectotherm respiration, and then having them verify it. It's not verification mm-hmm. in my, and, and then, so it's not that. And then true inquiry, like inquiry, right? Like, Oh, let's figure this out is like, pure jazz. And I love, you know, I don't know if you know most, I know you're more into the modern stuff. I'm into the older trad stuff and the main, you know, kind of the straight ahead jazz, but Mose Allison is one of my heroes of music. And he once said, you know, jazz is ultimately five musicians who've never met getting together, playing instruments they've never played before and finding out what happens. It's like that's not going to be that. It, it may be interesting, but it's probably not very good. It's probably not aesthetically yeah. pleasing. His Moses' idea of jazz is kind of comes from the Nat King Cole school, is that it's going to be I'm going to give you a chart. Here's the idea. Let's go play, and let's figure it out. You know. And now, now I'm kind of rambling, but ultimately I'm getting to my point. It's like to me, good inquiry in a in a, in a high school or maybe a middle, in a, even in a middle school and an undergrad it feels like blues or jazz. It's like, which is a basically a big backyard to go play in. Here's the idea. Here's what we know about the system. You know where your boundaries are, go play, go play Mm. and tell me what you found out. I mean, that's, that's so, you know, ultimately Aaron, that's, that's the philosophy. That's the vision I have in my head. And then what I'm trying to do with my kids is turn them on to a, a pattern. You know, again, I'll kind of stick with something simple. Spinach leaf in a bottle, CO2 sensor on it on the bottle, hit it with a light. Guess what happens? The carbon dioxide concentration goes down. Well, that's pretty cool. Then we keep the sensor on, we keep the we keep the piece of software running. We wrap that bad boy up in foil. Guess what happens? The CO2 starts going up. And then that gives us an opportunity to talk about why. It's not just straight diffusion. There's actually metabolic processes occurring in that leaf that cause that CO2 to go into the leaf and then dig this, get turned into something different, right? Because if the CO2 were just kind of falling into the leaf and staying there, you'd get a concentration gradient that stopped the uptake of CO2. That's kind of a long way of saying it's about showing kids what happens when and giving them an opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of... To see what happens in nature, then. Well, I want to,
0: I want, I want to push that a little bit because I know you, I know you have the the follow ups and, and variety of things that you're doing. To me, like I think there's a lot of people who will start inquiry, and because of time, they will run that lab. And you know, many kids, like if I'm a smart kid, I could just say, "Huh, when photo, when lights on, plants take in carbon. When lights not on, where they don't have access to light." You know, they're gonna be just be using, you know, their mitochondria, they'll be turning yep. it out. I understand the underlying concept, but I haven't really asked any questions here. I really haven't done any what-ifs. Yeah, I've played with some cool tools, but I haven't really done inquiry yet. Mm. I haven't you know, I play I just played chords. I didn't play jazz. Okay. Um so now now how do I get it so that that the the kids take this, you know, the kid who wants the reductionist, the, the right answer, the right answer reductionist kid, how do I get them to go beyond just saying, well, I'm just going to spit out stuff from the textbook as my explanation and, and get them into that what if space now that I've got this model set up?
6: Well, now they've got the model set up, then they have to go design an experiment to see if they can monkey with the model great idea like the, ultimately getting back to the textbooks a good thing but only to the service of answering the being able to support the data they collect uh when they're in an, in an investigation uh mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a, the right if that's a if that's the right answer if that's the, what you're looking for but yeah you're right there's kids oh that makes sense perfect sense okay cool well now that you know the concept let's look at some parameters that might affect how this process happens and give them that you know give them access to tools and get them to think and get them to design an experiment to uh, answer a question. And, and, you know, I've kind of gone heavy lab work, but what I'm seeing is that inquiry isn't just about lab work. It's about design a mo- you know, build a model, a 2d model to show me how information is transferred from DNA to protein. And I know we can give those to the kids, right? But then, mm-hmm ask them to build another model that really helps me uncover their thinking about it. Uh, that's actually kind of easy for me to say, because that's really the trajectory I was on for the first 10 years of my career was really diving deep into molecular genetics and, and figuring out ways to bring these concepts to life for kids, especially the subtle nuances, things like, you know, mitochondrial genetics or whatever, uh, you know, anytime you're asking a kid a question and getting them to think about why something happens, it's inquiry. I think what you're driving at is like the kids come up with the questions that takes a long time to do a long time. And they need a lot of, uh, mentoring, a uh, teaching experiences before they can begin to ask their own questions. Even in my research class, Aaron, that's like we're here in the third nine weeks. I've got one more activity to do before I finally cut them loose to ask their own question, uh, and 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 answer it. It's taken me six months to get those kids there. It's just how it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I don't think, and I think you raised that point with the model. I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to get into sort of the wet lab where they ask their own questions. But I think having the kids ask, you know, building off what you were saying, I would like the kids to be able to say, you know, say a what if question now that they've seen this model. And, you know, we could take an example like transformation, for example, mm-hmm. right? I think transformation is sort of the curved example of in- in some people's hands, transformation is a $200 three day experiment that you could get done with, and the kids say, Wow, it glows. Mm-hmm. And in really experienced, well polished hands, students can finish it with an understanding of central dogma, gene regulation, uh, protein <laughs> shape, uh, protein folding. Like you could open all sorts of boxes. Mm-hmm. So I think that the inquiry could also be from what you were saying in the way you work with your kids, the inquiry could be that the, the question that the kid asks is a measure of their understanding of the model, mm-hmm. like the quality of their question that they can say, the quality of their what if tells you how well they understand the
2: concepts.
6: Yeah. And especially if it's, if it's, if it will yield, it's almost like uh, my our friend Paul's def, you know idea of a hypothesis. Is it testable? Will it yield quantifiable data? Is it within the bounds mm-hmm. of nature? That's a good question. Like that's actually a really we- neat way to think about you know inquiry and actually self assessing as a, an instructor assessing how well kids understand. Oh, that question mm-hmm. was solid. Not one you know you always get those really cool questions that are super esoteric and weird. But you're I think mm-hmm. what you're describing is a question that's like. You know right in the groove and could be tested if you have time uh it might even yeah, well, might even pull a class in a particular direction you know i think uh yeah. to that end it looking i was looking at you know i'm doing the the a transformation lab next week i'll introduce it this week and BioRad's just done an amazing job with that that think iq you know think inquiry piece looking at those questions that they're asking challenging teachers to Posed to their students are really solid. Uh, the thing is that the kid, how much experience does the kid have with, with molecular biology to begin to ask a good question? Uh, hmm. Maybe that becomes I- uh and again, I, you don't want to you don't want to just leave those questions for the super high functioning kids that are going to go do research in the summer or you know in an IB world might do an extended essay in science. You want to make you want to you want to create that opportunity for everybody for every learner. I mean that. I mean I'm I totally buy that. Every kid has STEM inside of them, just like every kid has poetry inside of them. You know, and some some ability to draw. I think it's part of the human condition. Uh, but what you can do is sort of challenge your kids with a with a question like think about this for example you know i was uh i was out in keystone colorado with students several years ago doing this thing called the keystone youth policy summit and we did a it was basically a a working group of students that were trying to and to figure out how to reduce the united states uh carbon footprint really cool program the kids have to write a position paper they've got to uh, meet a stakeholder and write a paper from the stakeholder's perspective. There's a lot of work going into it, but, you know, long story short, the one of the climaxes of the week out in Colorado is we have the kids get to listen to a professional panel. And this guy from a, uh, you know, coal lobbyist said the only thing we, you know, there's really no problem. We just need to plant more trees. It's called above ground carbon sequestration. And of course he almost got <laughs> laughed out of the room But I posed that question to my kids this year when we finished our Mauna Loa data analysis. I said, and I told my guys, I said, you know, you'll get ready. This is the question that you came to the IB school for. This is going to be, here's a really tough question. I want you to graph global atmospheric CO2 if what this gentleman said is true. We can keep pumping CO2 in the atmosphere. We just have to keep planting more trees. I said, forget about the amount of, uh, heat trapped. Forget about the increase in, uh, water vapor coming from all that transpiration. Just what would that graph look like? And, you know, kids really struggle with that. Cause what, it, in my head, what I see is this elastic band of, uh, you know, the peaks in April are bigger than they were the year prior and the troughs in October are lower than they were the prior year. And you basically see like a sine wave that just keeps getting greater in amplitude. And I mean, kids love that. They, I mean, they, they love being challenged with that stuff. That's inquiry. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you just hit it. What the, what ifs. Yeah. Um, how do you do it? Dude? You uh, have- how do you do inquiry? Oh, you know me. We do a baseline lab. We do a follow-up lab. I wait till the kids get to a question that I can't answer. Um, yeah, but I think <laughs>
6: what you're doing with a with a with a fruit flight uh, gut bio, you know microbiome, what you're doing, you're doing something else right now that's way off the hook. You just you're kind of yeah. always pushing the edge of what you know. And and there are lots of folks out here that are doing that in that That's the spirit of inquiry that that we would really like to see in, in a lot more classes and not just bio, but in chemistry or physics or, or science or, you know, what I think you model for your kids is a spirit of inquiry. This is a living, active pursuit of understanding. Yeah.
0: I mean, to me, the words inquiry and science go hand in hand. Like I sure. just, tr- I just try to run, like I try to run a good science class. To me, science is, uh, is a way of knowing it's not a book of knowledge. And right. so, so I continuously am trying to balance the, you know, the noun and the verb. And I think I went through a phase where I was like, the information's not important. It's all about the process. And the reality is, is that they're both important. Oh,
6: I, Absolutely.
0: Because if you don't do, you have you have, as you said earlier, coming back to the textbook, you if you, you have to be able to tie the the results, the phenomena, the the data, you have to tie it to some underlying concept. Sure. Um, yeah. And so if the kids don't understand the underlying concepts, then there's nothing for them to tether it to. And you know, I, I sort of going back to your music analogy from earlier is the difference between noise and jazz. And yeah. um, <laughs> there are people who would just say, "Oh, that's you know, that's just noise." And I say, well, you know, sometimes to some people it is, but if you understand the underlying principles behind it, you know, it's Kamawasi Washington does not produce noise. He produces no. jazz. And, uh, and even though it might seem dissonant at times, it's, it's still pretty good.
6: Um, and, and, and further you motivate kids to dive deep into the content, give them a reason to uncover the yeah. explanation. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do, because that that book of knowledge that exists, it's like that's just there to help you frame your ideas. I, I talk to my kids a lot about the context, you know, place what you know in the context of what's already been figured out. And if your data are contrary to that, you've got to figure out why. Maybe, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, sample size is small, therefore I got an outlier. But Those are the, those are the conversations and it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Those are the conversations I'm having with my kids on a daily basis. You it's, it's great that you found out that catalase from yeast has basically increasing salt concentration does not matter at all. Even though the book says that high salt concentrations will denature enzymes. Okay. You have to think about why that's different. Mm -hmm. Think about the environment that yeast lives in. And, uh, we give. You know, I talk a lot about you know. There's one one side of thinking about things is challenge. The other side is thinking about opportunity. Give yep. a kid an opportunity to figure something out. Challenge a kid to think a little bit more deeply or think harder about what what they know. And and what's you know kind of back to the homework thing, Aaron. We've only got nine months to do that, right? I mean, it's like all right. I think the impacts that we're making on our kids. They don't. They don't even realize they learn stuff until like six, seven. I mean, they learn. In, they're learning stuff in the moment. But what I'm trying to do as a teacher is like impact the kid's life six, seven, ten years later when they when they're stuck with a challenge at work, and they know how to handle. They figure out a way to handle it, and they think just in the back of their head, oh man, Mr. Reardon would been proud of me right now. Don't <laughs> tell me about it. But that's those are the kind of tendrils that i'm trying to put out there and uh again i'm seeing a lot in my research class these young sophomores you know the uh, kids from all walks of life you know they look this is a freaking sepia rainbow in that class and they they're they're getting fire hose from me but i know that they're buying in and i can tell some of those kids someday are going to be like i don't care if they be, get into STEM but if they they're going to they're going to get they're going to hit with a problem and they're going to know how to collaborate with people they're going to know how to figure out a way around that problem and then be able to explain why they did what they did and that's huge it's it's inquiry dude
0: my next conversation is with Kelly Cluthy. Kelly teaches at Aletha West High School in Aletha Kansas What does inquiry mean to you? And what does inquiry look like in your classroom?
7: Um, So I think it depends on the class that I'm teaching. Um, So I teach everything from general freshman biology to the dual enrollment to the AP level biology classes. Um, So I give a lot more structure to those freshmen who don't have all the background in science that my older students Mm -hmm. do. And then also they're not really the students are super motivated by a science type class. So if they're in general bio, they don't really have much of an interest in it. Those kids tend to go to the mm-hmm. honors route. Um, so we do a lot of, uh, storylining mm-hmm. in my class. So I've actually, I don't know if you've talked yeah. to Jason. Yeah. Green. Yeah, to yeah. So I've been pulling a lot of his resources and modify, modifying them for my own classroom. Um, I think his resources are great, and I think they have students analyzing a lot of data and drawing conclusions without me having to uh, lecture at them and give them material. Um, But I have been trying to supplement with a little bit more hands-on laboratory activities within the storylines as well. Um, In those laboratories activities, um, I try to keep, I guess, hands-off as from a teacher's perspective Um, I like to give the students kind of time to explore and see what happens by posing a question to them and seeing if they can come up with some sort of solution or design. Um, But that is something that I had to build from August up until the second semester. It's not something I could just jump into right away. Um, For my older students, um, I mentioned with the homework segment My AP, or not my AP, my uh, dual enrollment college bio students, they did a four week long project over net primary productivity. Mm -hmm. So they had to design an experiment to test uh, the factors that would influence rates of photosynthesis and cellular respiration in plants. So they had to go through the proposal, which included a lot of background research. Um, I didn't lecture at all about photosynthesis or cellular respiration. That was all just kind of built into the project design. And then uh, students, as they ran and collected their data, they had to figure out what their data actually meant at the end. So um, it was very open inquiry. I didn't give them a whole lot to work with going into that project, but they did an awesome job.
0: So you mentioned a lot of different pieces in there. So I know that with like Jason's uh, work, his NGSS uh, storylining, Mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of, there's basically daily questions, like really a question that sort of drives every single day Um, And then you also talked about sort of labs and then research projects. So do do you Uh categorize sort of all of those types of things, the 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 class openers, the sometimes the paper type labs, the wet labs and the research projects? Do those all fit under the umbrella for inquiry for you?
7: I think so. Um, I mean, To me, inquiry is just anything that doesn't require the teacher providing students with answers. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're asking the students to ask or to find a solution or explain a phenomenon, I think that's inquiry to me.
0: Yeah, and um, the other thing that sometimes comes up with, and you were definitely saying that with the research projects and the the stratifying that you have, um, questions are sort of at the heart, but not all students are Mm -hmm. able to. Ask questions in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like the the starting point difference is how much you expect them to generate from a questions and maybe a materials and methods, but the 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 exploring part is sort of uniform regardless of what level you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. seem fair? Yeah, it does. Okay. And so um, so how do you how do you know where the, like, how do I know that a student is really exploring, particularly in a in a group setting? I think that's sort of the part that I struggle with individually. Um, I've got a group, and I'm sure you do something very similar where you put t- students in groups to work together um, for a lot of reasons, because mostly that's how science works. Very few <laughs> scientists work right completely in isolation uh, but also from a, like a materials and a dynamic standpoint and you've got this group of kids in there how do you like know where each of the students are sort of in that inquiry journal journey and their exploration as opposed to maybe writing the coattails of the people around them who are mm-hmm. really engaging in the material
7: uh, so that is something I struggle with. I've tried to use kind of Pogo type uh, student roles within inquiries, where each student in the group has like a job that they are supposed to do for their group. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a reflection piece at the end where students are evaluating each other and evaluating themselves. And then I'll do some sort of like bell work. or that guys, it's not bell work. It's an exit slip at the end of the class, just kind of make sure each student got what they were supposed to from the experience. Hmm. it's not a perfect system um, especially like in the freshman level class where a lot of them just even with that peer pressure and that component to it um, they just don't care so that's where I really struggle it works really well in my higher level classes but I don't think I have the perfect answer for some of my lower kids
0: yeah I find that with younger students um, a lot of times they're not not knowing what they don't know and mm-hmm. having a, an inadequate um they really have an inadequate toolbox. So yep. and, and they also may not have a lot of perseverance. So um as opposed to ascribing like, you know, about, you know, apathy or not caring, um, they get to a quit point much yeah. faster.
7: <laughs> I'd say that's definitely fair.
0: Yeah. And so that like their frustration, like it takes them a lot less to get to a, a frustration and a quit point, whereas an older student will have had enough experiences to say, oh, I got to this frustration point, but that frustration point is not a quit point for me. So mm-hmm. I got frustrated. I got to struggle a little bit. I got to ask some questions. Oh, I have a toolbox of questions to ask. But like a freshman, particularly an immature freshman or an immature sophomore, doesn't have the toolbox to get themselves past that frustration point. Right, um, and so that's where I feel like inquiry is there, and I wouldn't even like you. You just sort of talked about levels. I find that sometimes with my honors level freshman and sophomore, they're used to just getting everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> And all of their science up to this point has been like they were able to memorize all the facts and all the things, and so when they sit down and you ask them to like generate something new in an inquiry setting, they really they're they're really flummoxed yeah um, and they they want to generate the right answer, not like build a model or have something open-ended or that sort of stuff. And so they sometimes get to a quit point faster than say my alternative program kids who are used to never being right. Uh-huh. And so they're, they're <laughs> like, okay, like if I tell, if I tell both of those groups, there's no right answer. The My alternative program kids who are in an alternative program because they struggled in the traditional school day, they're like, great, no right answer. That's awesome. <laughs> Whereas the, my honors kids who are like, wait a minute, what do you mean there's no right answer? Yep. Um, I find that they get to a quit point. Or a struggle point, um, or a frustration point that that need to work, uh, particularly if they're immature, uh, at a much faster level. So, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that that sort of frame similar to what you're seeing in in your groups, but
7: yeah, I mean, it depends on the class. I've got some kids that you know they would just rather be anywhere else besides school, and those are the mm-hmm. kids I have a hard time motivating to, I guess, do the work and care about it. Um, mm-hmm. I I just I wish I had answers for that. I don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, and some of those things are outside of our right (laughs) outside of our (laughs) hands. Yeah, like the only thing you could do. It's it's one of those frustrating things to say. Like, and I remember earlier in my career, you'd have students who like really didn't want to be there, but like you know that the number one reason to make them want to be there is to develop a relationship. Yes. Like if they feel like if they like you and they that like I I've had many students who were like you know like terrors in some other classes but I got along with them great um and they would come to my class and they would work and like assistant principals or counselors would be like what are you doing and I was like I just get along with them and they want to show up um but at the same time I've also had students who like they drive me nuts and <laughs> like they're like they don't want to be there and like I'm like fine don't be here you're driving me crazy I'm driving you crazy it's like you know fire and gasoline kind of deal yeah uh, yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to rationalize with teenagers <laughs> <laughs> okay. to get, get to that inquiry point.
7: It sure is.
0: Next up is my conversation with John Darko. John teaches at Seneca East High School in Attica, Ohio. I, I'm actually really happy we're going to have this conversation because I think your perspective on this is going to be totally different. And I know that our conversations... Have changed my perspective on this but my question is like what is inquiry to you what does inquiry mean in your classroom
5: um so what i think of when i think of inquiry is i'm thinking of i'm thinking of inferring from uh in- inferring from a hypothesis, inferring from observations that we make. So it is trying to discover some kind of pattern, uh, and then a model that would go with that. I think generally, I don't use the mm-hmm. word inquiry myself, uh, just because it, is, it seems a little vague for me and I, I don't really have a good understanding of what other people are meaning by it. So I, I, when I'm thinking of, and, and what I've really been focusing on in my classroom lately is just uh, how do we infer a hypothesis or a model from cause and effect relationships from perturbing a independent variable and dependent variable and controlled experiments, you know, what kind of patterns uh, are starting to emerge, and then how can we create a model and hypothesis from that and then and then from that, uh, once we have like let's let's work mm-hmm. with a hypothesis or a model. then once we have this model, what's going to happen? If we, you know, what what's going to happen if we change one parameter or another parameter, and this is this is why I focus so much on s- simulations in my classroom is I want my students to start thinking about reasons for how the world works, and I think that's what science is really doing is and scientific inquiry is trying to discover. how the the world is working, the natural world, whatever that is. Uh, So uh, I like to use simulations to talk through, have them play with, and try to discover these forms of inference, whether it's uh, deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, or uh abductive reasoning just and and this is these different kinds of forms of inference is really what i've been playing with lately
0: (laughs) i think you actually have a pretty good definition of scientific inquiry um (laughs) because you just said like Uh you want them to try to discover how the world works um and as a nice i mean it's it's Uh a a pretty big umbrella um to do that but um and I we've had this conversation. This is one of the reasons I, I said I wanted to bring it up is because, you know, before our conversation, I think that um, and I this is not gonna surprise you at all. To me, you know, when I would hear inquiry, you know, if somebody had said that to me four or five years ago, it's like, all right, pull out the equipment, pull out the wet lab, um, you know, like let's run a whole bunch of trials, let's let's get some data. But to me, inquiry meant at the bench. I'm a very much that's that's the lens with which I I learn science. I learn science at the bench, um, and so for me that was there. And I know that your perspective is very different. So um, I, I guess the question is is that do you feel that you um, when you're working at inquiry, um, do you feel like that that students can can, that you're going to hit different kids with different types of inquiry like models are going to be good for some students the computer models or some kids but other kids do need to sort of get the wet lab stuff out and mess and that hopefully the goal is to provide them a variety of different inquiry or do you think it, the that the the system that you use is not particularly important um, just as long as it's allowed to get to students being able to get to those fundamental questions and inferences.
5: Yeah, the, the last <laughs> one. So I think, I, I don't think the, the method is particularly, particularly important. It's, I think it's the, the rigorous thinking that goes along with it. And uh, so, you know, you're, there's a great quote that really uh, guides my philosophy of science, it comes from mm-hmm. Immanuel Kant, uh, where he said, Concepts without precepts are empty precepts without concepts are blind. (laughs) So it's kind of trying to rectify you as being this empiricist where you say, you know, like it's observations are, and experimental science. This is how we're going to inquire into the world and how we're, and I think this is a a meme that is out there a lot, which is it just let the data guide our conclusions. And then we're going to, you know, that's how how science is driven. Uh, where the other part, though, is you know, just data by itself isn't uh, where I th- I think we're we're coming up with conclusions. We're also fitting that data with a model for how the we think the world works. So we're we're testing that data against a concept, against a hypothesis, mm-hmm. and so it's this. So getting at both collecting data and then fitting that with a model or hypothesis is is really where I'm trying to hit inquiry or uh, the teaching of scientific practices. I, I as a as my niche as a teacher is this is really where I'm I'm going for is trying to teach these scientific practices, and I use. You know the how genes are regulated or how enzymes work as an example for teaching the scientific practices uh the The rigorous thinking though is is one thing I think as teachers myself uh certainly included, I think we're just under trained <laughs> in in teaching the rigorous thinking to our students. Uh, while in, I think, in my science classes in college, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of science and experiments, I think looking at the philosophy of science is something that is important for students to understand, to understand, like, the logical fallacies of hasty generalizations mm. and, uh you know some of this stuff were were not i i have a feeling from my own practice that i'm i'm noticing i'm just assuming that they know uh but but and i try to to teach some of it but i think it needs to be taught a little more explicitly uh some of these logical fallacies yeah i
0: think what you've hit upon is is i think one of the reasons why both many people have adopted claim evidence reasoning and also why we have really struggled to adopt claim evidence reasoning. And maybe I shouldn't speak for anybody else. I can just speak for myself that previously when we would have students write things up, their ability to fit their ultimate conclusion and the evidence that they gathered into a larger scientific concept or Compare it with what is already known about the world or those patterns was something that we didn't have to do like you could write a conclusion in in most lab formats that I had done previously where you could just write a really nice like explanation of the pattern of data in the absence of why it fit into the broader world unless I specifically pushed them to do that they could sort of check all the boxes of we did this lab we collected this data this was the pattern um that i saw in the data but not make that broader connection to how the world works and i think that's the goal of the reasoning section of a claim evidence reasoning that we've been moving to
5: absolutely it was certainly that the r of the cer of claim evidence reasoning that has really uh I have fell deep into this rabbit hole mm-hmm. of uh reasoning is philosophical <laughs> uh and and just how how do we go about uh reasoning through something isn't isn't in, I don't think it's intuitive. Uh mm-hmm. and we do especially rigorous reasoning, uh where you're you're having to you know, our brains have these cognitive biases, right? Where we make these hasty generalizations, or we have a confirmation bias. <laughs> uh, and and getting students to to recognize those, I think they will appreciate more how how science discovers things and make them better scientific literate citizens.
0: Yeah, and it's still a journey for I think us on our on this side of the desk too.
2: <laughs>
5: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I I took probably more philosophy classes than <laughs> most science teachers. Yeah. But uh, I am I feel way out of my league oftentimes in trying to teach students how how to reason through things.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, I have a feeling you'll get there. It'll be like Nab <laughs> Nabt Twenty Twenty
5: Two.
0: How to teach, How to Use Philosophy to Unlock Reasoning. I've just written I've written the title. You have to come up with the rest of the talk.
5: <laughs> I I I really like that title. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. And I'm going to wrap up this episode with. The thoughts from Paul Strode, Paul is a teacher at Fairview High School in Boulder, Colorado. The second question I'm asking people is about inquiry and mm-hmm. what does inquiry mean to you and like in, what's your definition and what does inquiry like look like with your students?
2: Oh very good. Um, so there with my students there are 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 levels of inquiry okay um and so so with the with with my first year bio students um there's there's of course a lot of guided inquiry so a, a lot of um here are some some options for you to explore um and here are some ways that you can explore these options and so now go explore these things um and uh and so so we might do that over and over again for for, for most of their their lab activities throughout the year um and then the at the at the end of the year in that in that first year class we um we kind of opened it up we said okay you had all this practice with guided inquiry now you're going to you're going to run your own your own investigation at the end and we give them about 3 weeks to to pull that off um with my second year bio students my seniors um they have they we start out we do we do big, big um, data collection lab activities where, um, where it it might take um, anywhere from three to to five weeks to collect all the data. Um, And so, so the first round of that is, is pretty guided. I set up the methodology and, and, and they, they then, this is the, the, the drop, the the pitfall trap um, Mm -hmm. edge effect thing that I do in the, in fact, that the paper on that is coming out in American Biology Teacher um, in a couple months. But anyway, they so so I, I set all that up, and the, and they go out and they 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 um, they collect all the data and analyze the data and write up a scientific paper. Um, and then we're just now coming to the end of our of our our open inquiry, where where they do any kind of plant experiment that they that they can think of that they can pull off in four weeks and um and so that's now they're they're sort of on their own failing succeeding failing um, just trying to figure out how to how to study plants
0: so you used a few a few terms in there that like definitely frame your view of inquiry i mean you used explore and you used investigation and you talked about collecting data so for you when you hear inquiry when you see inquiry inquiry involves like like actively doing an investigation uh yes yeah so that's that is, in your framing you if so if somebody was doing something that doesn't involve like the collection of data and doing some sort of investigation with data it it doesn't rise up to the level of in your in your idea inquiry
2: yeah so I mean, it's a good it's a good question i'm i'm thinking now about like dissection mm-hmm. And how much of that is inquiry, and how much of that is just let's learn all the parts and and what they do. Um, and so I guess, yeah, I guess to turn something like dissection into inquiry would be um, here are the things that, that that I want you to know. So 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 let's dig in literally and 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 learn these things. And then if there's anything else you want to explore, you know, here's a couple of extra days. For you to just learn more than 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 what I'm asking of you in the curriculum. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the word explore. I mean, that's the word that you started with. You started with the word explore, yeah. and to me, um, you know, you know, I mean, I mean, give give me a lab bench, give me some reagents, like let me have it. That's science. That's what I think of as science. But as I talk sure. to other people, the like the word explore to me, is a, a much bigger umbrella term that wouldn't necessarily require an investigation. And so, you know, and I know you do a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Does inquiry come for your students when they are exploring, say, like a, a reading by an author? Um, do, are they are they engaging in inquiry in other ways that that don't meet that standard of data collection and investigation?
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, but but I, what I would say is that is there say let's let's say that they're reading um, a chapter in Sean Carroll's new book, uh, The mm-hmm. Story of Life, and and they are and they they get to something where where they think, oh, isn't that interesting? And then they go and dig deeper. That would be mm-hmm. inquiry. So they're they're exploring that concept deeper. They're not just um, reading what's on the page, but they're going beyond that. So, so I think that, that would be, that would, that would be explore, um, and that would also include inquiry.
0: So I, I mean, for you, it's the, the wording that you were using in your definitions, um, of the lab, uh, we're, we're very much beyond the, the, like the passive. So like, for example, we could set up an experiment where we say, you know, do this, do this, do this, collect this data. and You know, you could describe that as guided inquiry, but I could very easily take your guided inquiry and turn it into a passive laboratory experience. Um, (laughs) Like if I wanted to rip out the inquiry from that, I could, and I could just make it that cookbook lab. But for you, the goal is even when they're doing this, follow a set of, follow the recipe, there are moments where they're diving in and they're exploring some aspect of that to, to, to not just be a passive participant in that activity. Yeah. Sure. So all right. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to break you up a little bit. Yeah, I
2: do think Aaron, I, I think there is a sorry if, I, I think there is a place for for those for for procedural based lab activities where where let's follow this protocol and and let's and let's get an answer. Um, because they do need practice doing that like like um uh, You know, we do uh, a fake urinalysis activity where they just they follow these these steps or um, or even even isolating the the DNA out of their cheek cells is very procedural. But there are opportunities, I think, in, in both of those for them to 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 do some inquiry, to to explore beyond just the steps that they went through.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this episode where I discussed inquiry with a variety of my friends. Each one of them has a episode where I talk to just them about their teaching and their experience as an educator. You can go back and listen to those, and I will put links to their original shows back in my show notes. You can get show notes at lifeoftheschool.org. You can also get show notes on my Patreon page page at patreon.com slash lots patreons also get an early release of episodes a few days in advance you can follow me on twitter at mr matthew Tweets or at life of the school and i'd like to thank jake jenkins next magicians for buying, providing music for this and every episode so thank you for joining me and i'll talk to everybody soon